Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 113. I sincerely hope each and every one of you are having a great week out there. Uh, We're having a fantastic week over here at the Drum Shuffle headquarters. I am about to embark on my annual fishing getaway with the boys from Funnel uh, and various close friends over life. We Every year we take a couple of days and we go down to Tennessee and, and do some fishing. So I'm about to head out for that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, we've got a fantastic episode coming to you today. I'm going to be joined by the great Rudy Royston to talk about his new record called Panoptic. Uh, to talk about all manner of things, drumming, uh, jazz music. It's just a fantastic conversation, and it's coming up right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best-kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined by the great Rudy Royston today. Um, Rudy is just an absolutely phenomenal drummer and a a superb human being as well. Uh, We talked back at the very tip end of July, and Rudy had just put out his new record called Panoptic in June. Um, and, and it's a really cool solo drumming record. Uh, but Rudy decided to put that out and donate every penny made to Music Cares COVID-19 Relief Fund for musicians. So I thought that was really cool. And we talk about that. Um, but we have some really great discussions about, 
you know, chasing a career in the arts. Um, we have a, a wonderful discussion about, you know, his background and, and to quote him, he didn't realize there were styles of music that he wasn't supposed to like, which I thought that was really cool. But I know you're going to get a lot out of this. Again, Rudy's just a phenomenal drummer. Go pick up the record Panoptic. Please help me welcome to the drum shuffle, Rudy Royston. Hey, Rudy. Good afternoon. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, no complaints here whatsoever. Um, as we were just discussing, I, that's not true. My complaint is I'm ready for some live music in my life. How about you? <laughs> man, I am so ready for some live music. I, I, I've been doing a little, uh, I did a porch concert, but that's about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just nothing, you know, with any scale at all happening right now. And, you know, I mean, we were kind of joking around. There's only so much stuff on Netflix, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. to keep your yeah. attention, you know. So, um, I, you know, we're going to get into the record that you just recently released, which but mm -hmm. I, I want to get a plug in here at the very beginning. You know, the, the record is called Panoptic. And you decided that you were going to donate all of the proceeds from the yeah. sale of that record to the Music Cares COVID-19 Relief Fund, which, man, just such a cool thing to do. So thank you from all oh, of man. us, you know? Yeah. Um, Thanks, man. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I could do. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just such a cool generous thing. And, and we'll talk about the, the, the record here in just a minute, but I want to, you know, um, I, I'm a rock guy. Um, you, you know, I, I have zero jazz chops whatsoever. Um, you know, but our listeners run the gamut, but for those who may not be familiar with your career and what you've been up to, let's, let's go all the way back to the beginning you, you are you were raised in in Denver, um, but tell us how you got into music and into drumming. Do you come from a musical family? No, actually, I uh, I come from a family of uh, four of us. I mean, it's five of us all together. And uh, my father in Texas, um, he was in Fort Worth, Texas. Before we moved to Denver, we stayed in Fort Worth. But my father used to work in a instrument making percussion instrument making company. Oh, cool. Rhythm band, rhythm band incorporated. He used to work there. Like if you go to any elementary school used to be, and you see this little RBI sticker on the, on the little xylophones and stuff that was, he worked in the shipping department of that place. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So he was like the supervisor of the, the, the manager of the shipping department. So he would bring home all these, you know, slightly defective sort of, <laughs> Uh, percussion instruments. So I kind of grew up around percussion instruments like bongos and, and small xylophones, maracas, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, so he, he, but he and my mom split when I was a baby. So we moved to Denver, but about twice a year, he would send me like a box of instruments. So I, I kind of was the only one in the family who took to just, just beating on. So I just started just playing on, you know, a bunch of percussion stuff. And the rest of my brothers, they kind of, they, they became music lovers, but I, I became see. kind of the musician of the family. I got you. Now, did, did I read yeah. somewhere that you had an older brother that was like really into, 
you know, kind of the classic rock, you know, what I would call classic rock, but the rock of the uh, of the time. You know, I think I read somewhere that you had a brother that was really into bad company or, or something like that. Yeah, like my brothers were into because when my parents split, my father went and he married a white woman in Texas. So it's just like, so then I had two families. I had a black family and a white family, basically. Right on. When I went to Texas, like, you know, I, I never knew, because my brothers were just so cool. They were just music lovers. And I always say it's because they smoked a lot of marijuana. Yeah. So, you know, like, <laughs> so almost like, because, you know, when they smoked marijuana, it was like anything was cool. It doesn't matter, like, whatever music it was. It's like, yeah, man, this is cool. <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, I just sort of, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't grow up knowing that there was music that I shouldn't like, you know what I mean? Like there was like, everything was kind of cool and I kind of attributed to them and to my other family in Texas because we would just, we would just listen to everything, man. We'd listen to everything from Parliament to Led Zeppelin to Charlie Pride to, you know, Chet Baker, like just anything, Chet Atkins, just like, man, it, it was all really great music and my brother's were really into, you know, Janis Joplin and Hendrix and Bad Company and, and just just everyone. And I, I got into, for a while, I was just really into Yacht Rock for a second. I, I just loved it, man. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Fleetwood Mac, like just, just everything. And then, and, then, and then there was Coltrane, and then there was like Teddy Pendergrass and all this funk stuff and James Brown. I mean, I was, you know, it was just so much music that yeah. I grew up around and it was all cool. Like nothing was just like, ah, oh, I don't like this. You know, everything was just like, yeah, let's check out Dolly Parton right now. You know, like, yeah, it was really cool. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a really cool upbringing. You, you know what I'm saying is, is to have that eclectic mix of, of stuff that's influencing you as a, as a young man, you know, especially if you're just getting into music and I, you know, I mean, I have a similar background the one thing that was missing for me was the the heavy dose of jazz, right? I mean, but I got the country, the rock, the pop, the, you know, the hip hop. I got all of that stuff. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, I came to jazz at a later age, I, I guess, than most drummers would. Mm, right. I, you know, I kind of came, I was listening, checking it out, but I wasn't really, you know, I couldn't really, I wasn't into playing it, you know what I mean? Yeah. That sort of came... I kind of started out with like gospel and funk stuff. And then I sort of one day realized that the drummer I was listening to sounded like he had eight arms, you know, it was like, wait a minute, how is he <laughs> like, wait a second. That sort of changed things. So that's when I kind of got in jazz around high school around that time. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, when you first started playing, you know, I think there's two different ways that, that, folks can go, you know, and I find that a lot of my guests, you know, they either take the fork in the road that is, you know, here in the South, you know, it's marching band uh, or, or, you know, jazz concert band, that kind of thing. They, they go the education route. Like I'm going to take lessons. I'm going to do the, the full on school sponsored, learn how to play the drums and then the other way is, no, nah, I'm going to get a bunch of buddies that play guitar and bass and, you know, keys or whatever. And we're just going to start doing garage bands. Which path did mm -hmm. you take or both? Man, almost a combination. Uh, pretty Yeah, you know, because the church thing sort of took the other path for me. 
because church drumming, you know, was like no music, you know, no real tra- training, really. It's just, you just play every night, so you just get good, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're, you're in church like five nights a week or whatever, so. Um, but then I, you know, but then I took the classes in, in school, too, because I, you know, I wanted to, my mom was like, well, you really, you should learn how to read and music and write music and really, you know, go, go this, go this other direction where you actually learn it in school. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so I, I took the, but I never took lessons cause it's just, we couldn't afford that. You know what I mean? So I just learned it on my own or through videotapes or whatever. But in school I was in concert band, jazz band, loved marching band. Like I, I can't to this day understand why anyone wouldn't like marching band for me. It's just like, I, I don't get it. Yeah. But, you know, just being on drumline, it's like, man, it, that is, it's just amazing. You know what I mean? You get sure. eight guys playing and it sounds like one guy, you know, it's like, and you're playing some of the top technical things that you, you know, the need to be a great drummer. And if you could mix that stuff together with jazz, it's like, man, that's, that's what you want to do, you know? <laughs> so, but I just love, I loved it. Anyway, I was a band nerd, I think. So it was, it was great. Well, oh, yeah, I yeah, I mean, I think drilling that, you, you know, the rudiments and, and just the precision and the technique that you get from that. But, you, you know, I, here's something that I've found weird, you know, I, you know, around here, it was all about marching band, right? Now, I, I, I did not go that route, but that's okay. But when I ask folks from different sections of the country or, you know, Canadian guests, there's no such thing as marching band, which which I find so, you know, I guess it's just instilled in me, <laughs> being from the right. South, everybody has a marching band, right? right. Um, you know, if you get up into New England in the Northeast or, um, you know, like I said, Canada, nobody has access to a marching band at school, which I, I find just amazing. Yeah, you know, I wondered about, I mean, is it cold? I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the weather. Yeah, I mean, I, you know? yeah, I mean, some guys have said, you know, you don't have a marching band at the hockey rink. So, you, you know, football just right. isn't a thing, right? <laughs> so they, they have pep band, you know, for basketball mm. or, or, or hockey. But, you know, I, I guess it's really where, where is football? Right. You know, who, who's right. playing football? If you have a football team, there's a good chance you have a marching band. And if you don't yeah. have a football team, <laughs> probably a chance, yeah, you, you know, you don't have a marching band. So, right. Um, I mean, a big part of it is, is the field. Like, you, like if you have no five and 10 yard line and kind of marching bands, kind of why do you need it? You know, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I, so, I, you know, coming up, through, you know, church and marching band and, and you know, just kind of, um, you know, developing as that young player, at, at what point did you decide, hey, I really want to chase this, you know, as something I may like to, to do professionally? Yeah, I mean, man, that was almost immediate, but I didn't know that until probably about a freshman in high school. But that at that point, because I mean, it, it it was just pretty much nothing that I enjoyed doing more. So I'd never pictured myself doing anything else okay. from what I could picture. You know what I mean? It's just like I, you know, from what I could think, 
then, as I got older, I could think more about later in life. But, you know, younger, you know, no, I just, it's, this is just what I felt like I was here to do, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, after, you know, just, just realizing how much of a journey it is to play drums and about a sophomore, I say in high school, about just realizing that like, man, you could do this your whole life and still be mediocre. You know, like (laughs) there's a lot to do, you know, it's like, man, really? So it's just like, okay, but that, that let me know that, you know, it would be an exciting thing. It would definitely keep me busy. And, and, you know, it, it's, fun to try to play things that I can't play, you know what I mean? That I don't know. And, uh, so yeah, but, but just falling in love with music and jazz sort of did it for me because it was a music that I could just play what I wanted to, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it changed for me because in that sense, I'm quarter, I'm, I wish I was sometimes the, the training thing. It's, it's kind of hard for me because I don't really like studying like that. You know what I mean? I like to sit and play what I feel you know? Yeah. But if I have to sit and I have to go, okay, uh, page 20, I'm on exercise five, you know, like I, I have a real hard time doing that kind of study. Yeah. I, you know, I, so, I, so many guys do and girls, you know, I mean, I yeah. think we're all wired differently, right? I mean, some people love that stuff. It wasn't for me for sure. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's just my, my thoughts are too busy for it. You know, like I, it's too much that I want to try to get, that I want to try to actually slow down enough and say, okay, just wait and just play this, you know, this eight measures enough times. And I'll, I'll run them like a couple of times. I'm like, all right, that's it. Yeah, I'll get back to it tomorrow. You know? <laughs> right. It's just like stuff that I want to try. You know what I mean? Like that whole adventure of it is kind of what brought me to the drums. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, but it's, it's proven, you know, obviously you have to do that. You know what I mean? That one, at some point you have to actually study, study. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. Well, I, you know, I, I mean, I think the problem, you know, for me, and I'm not certainly not trying to make this about me. I decided to study, study after I had developed, you know, 73 horrible habits as a drummer. So, <laughs> you know, right. it, it makes it hard to correct that stuff, you know, when you get set in your ways kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious if if then when you were, you know, 15 years old, you know, a sophomore in high school, you're like, you know, I want to do this music thing as my career. How many times did you hear from the family? You got to have a plan B. You got to have something to fall back on. Man, you know, at that point, it was just my mom and I. And I never really heard that from her. Cool. Uh, she just she just came to the concert and said, "Play, just play, you know, like play as much as you can." But I heard that from other people, though. I didn't really hear from my mom uh, or my brothers. They were just kind of proud of me. I was kind of the only one to finish high school, really, out of all of us. Um, but later, yeah, I mean, I, I started hearing it from some some other people, like, "Yeah, so oh, a musician, oh, okay, so what else you want to do?" You know. Like, <laughs> And I'm like, that's it. And they're like, oh, okay, well, what if that doesn't work out? And I'm like, I just never conceived. I was like, I, I don't know. You know, if it doesn't work out, then I'll, you know, I'll get an office job. And I, I mean, I don't know. You're like, I'd never ent- entertain that thought of it not working out. Yeah. Um, but 
especially when I got to college, a lot of, you know, when you get to college, a lot of people are like, man, you know, what are you going to do when this is over? And, you know, so right about then I heard it a little bit. Yeah. Well, but, I, you know, I, I tried not to enter, but I wasn't stupid. You know, and so it's like, yeah, man, if this doesn't work out, you really do have to think about what may happen, you know, because some of this is luck. You know what I mean? You're You're playing great, but sometimes it's just where you are and who you meet. So, um, but yeah, you know, so I, I taught for a while. I, I double majored because of that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people do hedge their bets I, you know, I, and you know, something that I find fascinating and I'm curious to hear what you think about this, but you know, if, if you have somebody that says, Hey, I want to be a mechanic when I grow up, nobody ever says to them, well, what if you really suck at being a mechanic? You know what I'm saying? Like nobody ever questions that as an analogy. But if you say anything that's arts related, I want to be a a sculptor or I want to be an actor or I want to be a a dancer or a musician, everybody goes, well, you know, you you probably ought to study really hard in accounting. You you know what I mean? Why? Why do you think that is? You know, I mean, I think that's because people immediately relate what we do, any artist, to what they like. You know what I mean? So, so they'll tell you, well, okay, study up on being an accountant because you know you're going to need an accountant no matter what. Study up on being a mechanic because your car is going to break down. Yeah. You know, it's so they can rely on that. It's like something that you know you're going to need. But I may not like your art. You know, I may not like your drumming. So that means <laughs> many people may not like your drumming. So you may not be successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. people relate it to what they like. And it's just like, you know, there's music that you're thinking of that you don't like, but you're not considering that there are thousands of other people who actually like it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's just like you're seeing the, the failure, but I'm seeing those people who actually would like what I'm doing. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we got to find, we, we play for the people who like what, and don't like, but I mean, we play to the people who like what we're doing. They're the ones who pay to come to the concert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, um, you know, I don't know. Just people just, they they have the, the that doubt, I think, because like I said, they think more in terms of what people may not like rather than all the people who are obviously liking it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's a bigger conversation. And that is if mm. somebody decides to pick the arts as something that they want to make a living with, I think I, I think you're spot on. I think a lot of the naysayers project failure onto that person yeah. when they should be like your mom who says, play all you can, Rudy, you know, and having that support system, I'm sure has helped you massively throughout your career. Yeah. I mean, that that's been the thing that's, kept me sort of, you know, out of that doubt zone, you know what I mean? Because sometimes just, just getting into that will keep you from going for an opportunity just because there's a little piece in your mind that's saying, you know, I mean, I got to have something else to do. And it's just like, if you could just get rid of that and just go for in, in that direction, then you'll see that there are things that open for that lifestyle. You know, there are things that will open up for you where you want to go in that lifestyle. 
Yeah, man. You know, like there's always there's always going to be something there. You know what I mean? It's just it's going to be that lifestyle. That's what you're doing. You're a musician. This is what you're doing. This is how you live. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just like, man, just just go with that and go. There's going to be something there, but you know, it's just that's how you live. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's such a great point. And, you know, it's something that, that I haven't explored with, you know, enough on this show. Um, mm. You know, I know for college, you stayed in Colorado. Um, yeah. You know, at what point, you know, you said you double majored. Mm. When you got done with, with your college studies, at what point did you say, okay, you know, this scene here in, in the greater Denver area isn't, you know, I, I'm not staying here. I know you've been in New York for quite some time now. How big a leap of faith was that for you to say, okay, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to go to the largest city in the country and throw my hat in the ring as a jazz drummer. That's, man, that takes some guts, dude. <laughs> yeah, that, man, that was... Yeah, that was rough. I mean, you know, and I taught for a while in, in, in Denver, you know, I was like a public school teacher for about 10 years, but I could play still, you know, like I could play on the weekends and guys would keep coming through Denver and I get to sit in with, you know, New York cats and other people who would come through and then guys in Denver would go and play in New York and come back and be like, man, you should go to you should go to New York, man. I'm telling you, you can play. I think you can do it. Um, but you know, you get, I start teaching, had some good income. I had a, my little baby son. It was like, ah, we're cool. We got the house. Everything's cool. But man, it, you know, like I said, when, when I first started playing, it was just like, there was just kind of nothing else, you know? So I was just, wasn't, really happy I could have been happy and just been like grooved like to be a salty band teacher you know what I mean I kid I could have been a contender you know but you know but it's just like nah man you know at, at some point you know I would always tell my kids when I was teaching them you know you don't have to do this for a living but if you do if you want to go into music you know love it man go for it and give it all you got and it'll give you back a reward and the stuff I would say to them and then I would go home and think well you know you're not really doing doing that what you're telling your kids to do mm -hmm. you know yeah. like so you kind of you know you kind of have to i knew in my heart at some point it's like you're, you're going to have to try and succeed or try and fail but you're going to have to try it at some point you got to go and it just got to that point you know it's like you know what i, I gotta go man my my son was almost two my little daughter was six months <laughs> and i was a uh, that's that's trying. I had a I had a really cool, willing wife. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we went to uh, you know, I, you know, I, I got into grad school at Rutgers, so that when I came here, I knew I had like a home, place to stay, in, and I could see after the family, so it was cool. Okay. Well, uh, that, that, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. So it wasn't like yeah. you just came home from yeah, no. <laughs> from teaching all day and said. <laughs> Honey, pack up the kids. <laughs> we're, right. we're moving to New York. Hopefully, hopefully I'll find a gig. <laughs> you know, right? That's a hard conversation, like, right oh, there. Oh man, yeah. No, man. I, I mean, it, it was cool because I knew that I had that grad. I mean, I'm going to grad school, so it's like, are we cool? Can we? Does anyone want to try this? Because my wife 
ex-wife, actually, well, she plays too. And she wanted to kind of come as well, but it was okay. a harder sell for her. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. she was willing. Okay. I, well, that makes a little bit more sense. And, you know, what year did you actually make the move to New York? 2006, I think. Yeah, 2006. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I, so you're, you know, 14 years in, you know, to yeah. to, to that scene now. I, I I get asked this question all the time and I can't answer it, but you know, I will have people send me an email and they'll go, how hard is it to break into the New York scene? Don't ask me because I've never tried to do it, you you know, but you know, and I'm flattered that people, you know, want that advice. And, you know, I, I typically, you know, tell them to, you know, reach out to this guy that was on the show, you know, that, that made that move. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, when you first got there, you know, what was your, you know, were you just out playing the open mic nights, trying to get your name out there or, or did you have some connections there already that you could, you know, kind of rely on? Yeah. I mean, it was a kind of a combination because I, there were a few guys who I had played with who had come to Denver who kind of knew about me, like, uh, well, there was a producer, uh, a manager who knew me, who was the manager of Ron Miles and the manager of Don Byron. And he knew Bill Frizzell. But I had played with Bill Frizzell in, like, in Denver in like 1995, just one gig, and we did a record, a Ron Miles record. So, so I, kinda, I knew just a couple people. Javon Jackson was here, and he was from Denver, and he had been playing with like Art Blakey and all these people. So I, you know, I, I knew people but I needed to activate it sort of, you know, but even if those people weren't here, um, you know, the, the way to break into the New York scene is just presence. Like you don't have to do anything besides be there. You have to be at the jam session so people can start to see you and hear you and know you're there. Yeah. I mean, it's really not, that's really all it is, but you have to, go to the jam session. (laughs) Like I went to a bunch of jam sessions in the first month that I was here and didn't even play because people wouldn't let me kind of play, you know, like I didn't know the, (laughs) I didn't know the vibe, you know, I'm from Denver. We're not like competition. We're not like cutthroat. We just hanging and just playing, you know, but here you got to be a little more assertive. And I didn't, you know, I just, you know, I wasn't trying to, and then there were like kids playing. I was like, man, I just taught you in high school. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like little kids. You know, it's like, I got to ask to sit in with you. You need to ask me if you can go to the restroom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's I fantastic. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, it's crazy, man. But, you know, after, after a while, you know, just, just playing and playing a couple of times and people started to get used to me and they knew I was there. Uh, then it's, my name sort of started to circulate just because I talked to people and they knew me. You know, it'll be that way for anyone. If you just play and you're there, people see you, then pretty soon they're going to be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember you. Oh, yeah, man, you want, oh, I got this gig at this coffee shop. You want to do it? You know, it's like that kind of a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, but then it, it, it worked for me because Hans heard I was in New York and that kind of, he told Bill and then he told Don Byron. So I got on Don Byron's gig and, you know, it's it kind of all those connections that I made in Denver when I thought I'm just doing this gig for nothing. I'm never going to leave Denver. You know what I mean? All those things actually meant something later. Yeah. 
you know, so I tell drummers that, like, you never know, man. Every gig, that wedding that's in the, you know, no one's there and you think it means nothing. It's like, that means something, man. They all mean something. Oh, man. Listen, you, you just tapped a vein that we talk about on this show all the time, Rudy. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I get called. I live in central Kentucky. You know, sometimes I'll get called to do like a straight up bro country gig. You know what I'm saying? Like my drummer's got the flu or he's on vacation or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I despise that stuff. I don't like it at all, but I go do the gig and you know what? I never mail it in because you never know that bass player could like, you know, I don't know, join Motley Crue next week. I don't know, you know? Yeah. So you, you always put out 110%. I mean, how many crappy you know, wedding type gigs ha- have you done where you played Brown Eyed Girl and Brick House? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, like yeah. we've all done that 73 million times. And if you yeah. have a bad attitude about it and you're cynical and jaded, man, that's not doing you any good. You you play Brick House like your life depends on it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause it, like you said, it just may be that time that it just felt so good. And then the bass player, man, he just goes to Nashville. Just for, you know, he just has a little recording. He's going to do in Nashville. Gets to Nashville, and the cat's like, man, you know a drummer? And just like, yeah, man, that felt really good. You know, you never know. That's so right. Now you're going to go to Nashville. You're, you're on the session. Then you meet another cat who's in the next room on the session. And then a year later, that cat calls. You know what I mean? Like, it all yeah. is going to mean something, man. Like it's just, Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it's fast. But it. It just somehow always seems to come around. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a big firm believer and and I think most professional musicians are, you know, not that I make my full living as a musician, you know, I mean, I've worked a day gig my entire life, but I, I think most musicians that take it seriously understand that whatever seeds you plant, you have to take care of, you know, I mean, it's. It's like if you have a bunch of bad juju following you around in your music oh, career, it, you yeah, know, that's the worst. You, you can't get that stink off once it's on you. I mean, it's like yeah. that stuff gets around. Yeah. I mean, the only way to get that stink off is you have to wear it off. Like you, have, you actually have to, <laughs> you have to, you know, it has to be enough guys who say, oh man, that guy is like this. And then another guy says, well, no, 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 man, he was on my last gig. He chilled out a bit. You, you need like a whole bunch of those to happen before people finally say, oh, he used to be that way. Yeah. But now he's cool. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, that don't even start out like that. You know what I mean? Just play the music and be a cool dude. Don't show up drunk. Don't talk back to the band leader. You know what I mean? Like just play the music and kill it and go home and pat yourself on the back. That's, that's exactly right, man. And you know, I, I know it's a little different in the jazz world, but you know, I, if I had a quarter for every time I said this, I'd be a rich, rich man, Rudy, but I say (laughs) it ain't about the notes you play. (laughs) When, when you're on somebody else's gig, it's about the notes yeah. you don't play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, know? you know, man, I used to measure it. I was like, if this guy has to say nothing to me, then that's what I'm talking about. If he has to say anything to me, it's like, oh, you know, I don't want him, I don't want him to say anything. I just want to just nail it. And he's just like, drums. Yeah, man, that's it. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what a great thing to aspire to on any gig 
is, you know, if, if nobody has to say anything to you other than good job, Rudy, you're doing your job, man. You're killing it. That's it. Yeah. You're killing it, man. (laughs) And if you can get a yeah, man out of it, then you're really killing it. It's like, cool. I got a yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's like, oh yeah, I'm killing it. That's right. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I, and I think you're, you know, I, I think your approach to, you know, especially your, your solo stuff that you've done. Um, I, I think your approach is a little different than most in that. What I mean when I say this, you know, the stuff that I've heard, you're not like trying to do, uh, you know, kind of blue again. You know what I mean? It's like you're, you're not recreating the wheel. You're, you're very expressive. And, you know, I mean, I can hear all different kinds of things in your playing, you know, the, the Max Roach. It's, it's. Typically, when I talk about jazz, it's like, oh, the guy swings really well. You have an explosiveness to your playing that I think sets you apart. Does Is what I'm saying, does it make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's the, the thing about it, you know. Like, I don't know. Maybe I got this from just, like, the, the church playing, I guess. I don't really know, but... Um, there is it's like a explosiveness but i'm i'm trying to move you you know what i mean like i want you to be emotionally moved you know so i i'm i'm trying to manipulate in a way you know like i want you to come on this journey with me and i'm going to force you kind of to come you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah so that comes that comes out in the playing and so and i'm just learning through the years it's just like man just you know, and have extremes. So there's an extreme, you know, soft volume to an extreme high volume. And, you know, there's, there's dense playing and then there's shallow, you know, it's like, it's just, just use those things to really translate the message so people can actually feel what you're saying, especially on something on like solo drums, because they don't hear a melody. Like they don't hear what you hear, you know what I mean? Right. So So you have to, you have to translate that to them. You have to, you know, somehow give the impression that I am doing something here, people. You're not like, you know, I'm not just like hitting drums. Like there's actually, I'm actually playing a song right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I think that that brings up a really good point. And, you know, I mean, I hate to jump around so much, but, you know, let's talk about the, the, you know, the record that you released in June. Um, You know, we Mm. mentioned it at the very top of the interview. It's called Panoptic. Um, Mm. And, you know, this was something that you had been sitting on for a while, but, you know, it's not a jazz quartet. It's not a jazz trio. It is drums and cymbals, basically. Um, And you drew your inspiration from a lot of different places, which I think is so cool. You know, you, you, you drew from your favorite poetry, you, you know, images in your head. And, you know, I, I think this was recorded maybe as far back as 2013, 14, something like that. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, if somebody goes out and picks this up thinking, oh, I'll put it on at my dinner party and it'll be great, you know, background jazz. They're going to be like, wow, what happened? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is that a fair statement? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because, you know, the thing was, like, like I wanted to, I was like, man, okay, 
I want this to just be drums and cymbals, you know? Like, I don't want to do loops and anything electronic. You know, I just want to get this authentic sort of sound. And if, like, I try to balance it, I'm like, so, you know, people can check this out because I don't want it to be just like a long drum solo. You know, so I was thinking, man, if people could put this on and just play it, that would be great. Like, you know, and like, here's the song, next song, like you would any other record, you know, it's just like there are songs and then there's the next song and then there's the next song, you know what I mean? And I, I think it can do that. There's just some parts, some of the tunes are, are, you know, ruckusy. They're up there in there a bit. So. Yeah. But, but yeah, you know, I, it, there are some other tunes on there, you know, that are very quiet and very, you know, demure kind of just relaxed tunes and, and I'm painting, you know, a different, picture or telling a different story um but yeah i tried to balance it because I, I was hoping i was like man i hope people can just listen to this and not get annoyed you know what i mean like after like three dr- dr- drum tunes it's just like oh my god <laughs> turn that off you know what I mean? like, yeah that is enough already you know like, <laughs> well so, yeah I, I, I think the key to that if that's what you're you know trying to get across for any drummer that's listening to this is you have to be very smart about your textures and you know obviously i wasn't in the studio with you in 2013 but i'm gonna go out on a limb and say you didn't have your you know your double kick uh you know 13 piece kit with nine toms or whatever (laughs) you know So you have to create textures with what you've got and you nailed that, man. I mean, it is very nuanced and textural drumming on the record. So, so kudos. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. It was just four toms and three cymbals basically and the hi-hats Yeah, or four drum, four piece, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, but. It, it, I think it, it definitely, if you sit down knowing what you're going into, and I did when I listened to it, I tried to put myself in that headspace of, okay, I need to figure out what Rudy is putting across here, right? Because so many drummers, when they put their name on a release, whether it's jazz or anything else, right? If it's it's a, a drum-centric record, you know, I, I call it the wankery, you know, like there'll be really, really good melodies. And then, okay, we're at two minutes of, you know, two minutes into the song, here comes the 64 bar drum solo. And you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just can't tell them apart. And it's, yeah, you know, so many guys fail at that. And it's like, well, I've had enough, you know, uh, I've had enough of the drum solo kind of thing. I think yeah. this record is more than that. It, it, if you go into it understanding this is a solo drum record, you can get what you're trying to get across, and, and yeah, you you know what I mean. So you've done a good job with that. Oh man, thanks. That that's that was a concern because it's just like man, I don't want it. You know, just a long drum solo that drives me crazy, and I love drums. You know, it's like man, <laughs> right. You know, and, and you know, also it, it is, you know, it's, it's a lot of music. It was supposed to be two CDs. So I kind of just did it this way because I wanted to raise more money, you know, as much as possible. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a long, you know, so you don't have to check it all out in one sitting, but you can, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. 
There's some short. No, no. That's why I kept, you notice, it's only like three or four of them that are longer than four minutes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everything is about three minutes or so. It's like, that's enough. You know what I mean? That's good. Yeah, well, so. and, 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 you know, I, I don't know, but, you know, if I tried to do something similar to this, you know, I, there's no engineer in the world that'd be like, yeah, man, nailed it that time. You, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's, it's just, it's a little bit more esoteric, I, I guess. And, you know, um, but, but it's great. And what's the coolest about it to me is the fact that, you know, you put this out in June, you had been sitting on this stuff for several years and you were like, I am going to donate every penny this record makes to Music Cares COVID-19 Relief Fund. Talk to me yeah. a little bit. You know, let's have some real talk here. Why did you decide to do that? Man, you know, I don't know, man. I, I think sometimes I just just so i don't know sometimes i i might just may not do me well in life i guess i don't know man but you know i i just i can't it's hard for me to just not to just do my own thing you know what i mean like man i guess it's an advantage to doing that sometimes but i can't just be like man i'm the only one hurting you know what i mean it's just like man this covid took all of our i have not had no gigs on my calendar since high school you know what I mean? Like every single gig I had was gone. Yeah. And all I, I, I could just feel that for many of us, man, just the people who I was talking to, my friends, it's just like, man, we are all hurting. Yeah. So I'm not going to be out now at a time where we all need to stick together. We all need each other. Everyone, even non, everyone in the world needs each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, and I'm like, yeah, but I need some money. You know, it's just like, oh man, we all need some money, you know? Yeah. And I, I got a bunch of, um, uh, grants that I applied for right away when I lost all the games. So that money, you know, a lot of money kind of came in from some Louis Armstrong and Music Care sent me a check, which is why I chose them because I was wondering who to give the money to and like, are these people really going to do this? And then when I was thinking that Music Care has actually sent me a check. Wow. Um, and Newport Jazz sent me a check. Like, is this, And it's like, man, so I was cool. Like, I felt like, okay, I'm good until, you know, the end of August or whatever. I'm cool. And everything is cool. So it's just like, now I want to help some other people, man. Cause that, that's an awful feeling, you know, mm -hmm. like I, that was terrible before the, I started getting help. It's just like, how am I going to do this? You know what I mean? Like, this is not cool. And then I, I could just think of my friends who are just like, man, you know, we're all hurting. So I have this record. And if I put this drum record out pre COVID pre pandemic, it would not sell that many records. <laughs> sure. It's a drum record. Right. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah. You know, it's going to sell, you know, because some, some I have a little fan base or whatever. It's going to sell. But if I can use this now to help raise money for more, like if people will just buy more just to help, you know, and have money to give to, to music cares. And that's a good way to use this record, you know? Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, man, I just wanted to just use it to be able to help other people and, you know, I, I'm cool. I'm eating. Um, you know, I'm good. Yeah, you know, so we a little bit more ramen in my diet. I don't know about you, but yeah. <laughs> man, I got two cases of ramen the other day. I'm looking at them right now. 
<laughs> I'm just uh, imagining all the ways I'm going to make that ramen. It's going to be delicious. <laughs> well, you, you know, I, I said to somebody not too long ago, I was like, if you don't have a favorite flavor of ramen, you've never been poor. Exactly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you got some little secret that you have. Yeah, man, I put cabbage in mine or something. You know, it's like <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Um, well, you know, I mean, I, 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 not to put too fine a point on this, okay, but I, I think there is a wisdom in, you know, wanting more people to have your record than make more money off your record. And I think a lot mm. of people get those wires crossed a lot of times. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, I don't know how to explain it, but you know, um, I, I don't want to bag on anybody here, but you know, the Beatles wanted to make the best possible record, right? Right. That was always their goal. Um, and again, I'm not trying to bag on Kiss, but Kiss just wanted everybody to have their record, right? Mm, it's two, right. it's two different ways of approaching how how you do your thing. They both made right. billions of dollars. Kiss just wanted everybody to have it, you know that, right. and they were willing to promote it however they had to do it to get it into the hands. So yeah. I, you know, I just think that the, the, those are you know, divergent paths, I guess is how you would say that, but not to put too fine a point on it, you saying, Hey, if I put this out pre pandemic, it's probably not going to sell. You know, I, I I'm going to sell a few thousand copies or whatever. But if yeah. I say I'm not getting rich off this, I'm donating this money to all of us that are hurting then my God, you know, it, it, it increases the appeal greatly and yeah. music cares, you know, I, I, we're having some real talk here. It's special to me. You know, I, I've been a member of the Recording Academy for, you know, three or four years now. And, you know, I always donate a little bit to music cares as much as I can. But, you know, they helped me out of a real jam at one point in my life. You know, I, mm. I, I had to, to go into treatment for my alcoholism and it was really expensive, <laughs> you know, and your yeah. health insurance doesn't just write a check. Right. So music cares was like, no problem. You're taken care of. You know, I, wow. All I had to do was ask. They were like, no problem. You know? So wow. what a great organization. And I know that they're doing God's work on behalf of all of us, trying to get as much money out to the music community as possible. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's just so many of us that, you, you know, don't know where to reach out, don't know what to do. So thank you. I, I say all of that just to say thank you for doing this on behalf of Music Cares. Oh, man. Hey, I, I'm just glad to be able to do something, you know, and, and that that really that's very inspiring, man. That's great to hear. Yeah, man. It's, they're a great organization. So, you know, they just. Yeah. They do everything they can to help those of us in need. And, um, you know, it, it, I read something, I don't know how long ago it was, but, you know, if you take the average income of professional musicians, and this is all of us, it's something like $17,000 a year. Yeah. I mean, I, who can live on that? Nobody. Right. 
You can't yeah. you can't make it on that in central Kentucky, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so 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 you know, case in point, you know, I all I'm saying is thank you for doing it. It's it's wonderful. And everybody, if for nothing else, should go out and grab a copy of Panoptic by Rudy Royston just to help everybody else out. It's a great record on top of that. You're going to get a really cool thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's a win-win yeah. for everybody. It is. I think people will, you know, yeah, it, it's, it, it's interesting at, at the least, I think. For me, it was interesting. So <laughs> Sure, man. I mean, of course. Yeah, you, so, yeah I, I, man, and just to help out, just to support, that, that would be, and you'll get something for your money. I think it's great. Absolutely. That's kind of, kind of too why I left it 23 tracks long. It's just like, I want people to get something for this money, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, you, yeah. It's not just three minutes of music, kids. I mean, it's, right. <laughs> you know, this is, this was a lot of work that you put into yeah. it. I know. So, um, so, so kudos to you, Rudy. I, we all appreciate Man. it. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. Now, um, I, so, Obviously, none of us have a crystal ball, and we don't know how all of this is going to, you know, shake out. Now, as we're recording this, we're right at the very end of July. Um, you know, the, the, nobody's going to hear this for a few weeks yet. But, um, you know, as we're recording this at the end of July, the the pandemic numbers don't look great. And, and I think everybody has just kind of said, we're not going to have live music in 2020. You know, I mean, I think we've all just resigned ourselves to the fact that it's going to be next year before anything really happens. What, right. what is Rudy doing today to get ready for whenever this stuff ends? I mean, how far ahead are you looking personally? Man, you know, I'm, pre I'm preparing for maybe the fact that, you know, we may be doing these track things for a while, you know, we may be having to record tracks in our homes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've, I've kind of gotten some mics, you know, some better mics and kind of just, just in case that's the way things go, you know, just to be prepared to get for that vein of making money, you know, and, and in, in other ways, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to write some music. I haven't started yet because I don't want to write music that's, just you know here's a COVID tune you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. you, you know yeah like i'm just i'm just waiting for the flood of COVID tunes after this is over but um but you know the place that being here and having had to slow down and think of what really matters you know in life and what's really of value uh writing some music from that place without the strain of writing music you know yeah like now it's just, just write some music, you I know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, um, just, just, you know, um, it's, it's clear. It's real clear. It's a cl more clear place every day. It kind of just gets more clear why I'm doing this. Like, why am I playing? And cause you know, you get in the scene and especially in New York, it's like, you just fight, you know, it's just press gig, 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 next gig. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I got to go practice because I have this gig, you know, and I want to impress this, you know. Um, but now that that's not happening, it's like, okay, what would I do if I didn't have to worry about, you know, 
playing really well for this Mike Stern gig that I get a chance to try to play with him on. You know what I mean? It's just like, um, it, it's, it's a great sort of place to be. It's scary because it's like, I don't know if I can trust myself, but I'm just going to just write from that place and enjoy it and try to get some better relationships with people and, you know, try to be practical, like I said, and get some equipment and just in case you're recording at home and, you know, people want a good sound. Um, yeah. You know, that's cool. I've yeah. already, like, I was just, I made a record already with Dave Douglas, but it hasn't come out yet, but it's his record, but. Oh, that's cool. Um, I'll definitely be looking for that. Yeah. <laughs> tell me, man, t- tell man. us more. I mean, when is it, when is it going to see the light of day? I hope pretty soon. I mean, it sounds really, it sounds like we did it in the studio. I mean, I got, you know, everyone has really great equipment, so it's just, uh, but we just finished tracking. I finished mine yesterday. The bass player finishes. So now the trombonist is going to lay some and then it's going to be ready, I think. So. Wow. Um, okay. Well, that's exciting yeah. news. Yeah. Heard it here first, kids, on the drum shuffle. <laughs> you know, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I, think that's, I think that's a good point. You know, I mean, we have to plan for this. And, and you know, I, I've said this with a little bit of derision, but when this is over, everybody's going to put out a record, right? I mean, because yeah. that's what everybody's doing right now. Every band right. on earth is going to have a new record <laughs> out in the spring of 21, guaranteed, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so you, you think the sea of music, <laughs> you know, was bad <laughs> pre-pandemic. I can't find good music. Good luck. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of it, man. Yeah, there's going to be a but, lot know, to to get through. But I, you know, I, I'm hoping that we have I don't know just a better, not even appreciation, but sort of like appreciation of music, you know, of the arts period because we can't. You know, I, I think we forget artists don't because you know sometimes we forget because we're doing it you know we're, we're the ones performing but i think we forget how good it feels to just watch someone dance you know what i mean like oh, yeah. to go watch a dance company watch a ballet to to feel the vibration of the bass note out of the amp itself you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i think we that that feeling i think we just get so into it that of moving in life that it's like I think that's going to be like honey to a lot of people when we can do that again. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. And I I mean, you know, will there be lines to get into movie theaters? You know, I mean, these are things that that I've discussed with friends. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I just think that when, when all of that artistic outlet you know, even for those that are not artistic, you know, but, but the consumers of the arts, right? The people that love the arts. Um, yeah. When it all goes away, man, gosh, you really start missing it. You know, we, we, yeah. take, we so take it for granted. And, you know, that's a really good point, Rudy. Um, you know, so, well, listen, I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. You know, we're, we're getting close to the end here. But, you know, one of the things I'm going to put you on the spot now. OK, so get ready. Uh, OK. <laughs> um, one of our traditions here on the show, in all seriousness, we ask all of our guests for a good piece of advice. So, you know, share something for other musicians and other drummers that, that you've picked up throughout your career 
that we can all kind of apply to our day-to-day, you know, lives or practice routines? Mm. Man, you know what? Like, you know, I would say a few things, but I don't know. I guess the thing that to say is try, uh, remember to not live in fear, you know, with drumming and especially the drummers, like, um, the way you play and what you do, whether it's good or it's bad, that's, that's to you, you know? So try, try to get rid of all of those things, accept how you play and make that who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, because if uh, otherwise you would, if you're feeling inadequate all the time, it's like you're just not capitalizing on who you are and just trust yourself, trust the way you play, trust how you interpret stuff and just play it and relax. You know, like don't worry, just relax and just play and live your life. Yeah. And that will bring you to places and it will bring things to you. Cause you know, playing the other way, it's, pushing and afraid and man, I don't sound good. And it's just like, just, just relax and just play your thing and play it really well. And that's the thing that's going to set you apart. Cause when I moved to New York, I, I had to think like that. It's man. I, it's like everywhere you go, everyone can play. It's not like you go somewhere <laughs> like that guy sucks. You know what I mean? Or he sucked. You know what I mean? It's like this little 16 year old kid. What is he going to do? It's like, Oh my God. You know, it's like, <laughs> You know, it's just like you have to just say, you know what, that's them, man. This is me. This is my thing. This is how I'm going to interpret it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm going to just play it strong and not sweat it. Yeah. And it just opens up. That's the thing. People start to say, man, you sound different. That sounds cool. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, man. I, that's the juice right there, brother. I mean, it really is. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I can't play like you know, Thomas Lang or Marco Miniman or Benny Greb. I, I just can't do it. I, you know, I can't do right. Mark Juliana, you, you know? Right. So I, I got to figure out what it is that I do well and do more of that. Don't, you know, don't, yeah. don't try to be the other cats because you're never going to be them. Yeah. Like it, it, it just will never happen. And it just makes you feel bad because you realize how much you are not them every time you try. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about there. (laughs) Yeah, man. I did that. You know, it's like, I'm going to try to black Brian Blade. It's like, dude, you're not Brian Blade. Bail on that idea. You know, like, (laughs) that's not going to happen. You know, it's like, take whatever you can take from him and then move on. You know, it's like, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, you know, from your lips to God's ears, as we say down here in the South, you know, (laughs) so. Well, I, as we wrap up here, Rudy, tell all of our listeners, you know, if they're looking for you, you know, online, you know, what are the social handles? How, how can they reach out to you or connect with you and follow your career, brother? Man, you can, you can check me out. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm on, I got just Rudy Royston. Everything is just Rudy Royston. My email is Yahoo, Rudy Royston at Yahoo. I like simple. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Got some. I'm I'm on Instagram too. Um, I've got a lot of photos. I've been getting into photography lately too. Um, but I'm on there, and my my web page went out of business. The the host, so I have to find another host. Sorry, people. But for now, <laughs> I'm on Facebook, and you can check me out there. You can email me. 
my number is in my email. You can call me. I mean, text me, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm on there. Just search Rudy Royston on Google and you'll see me. That's so cool, man. Well, like every other drummer on earth, your website doesn't work. I don't know what that is. You know? but <laughs> <laughs> what is up, man? I'm talking about being a professor and my website is not there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, some days you just wake up and you're like, uh, you got 37 emails. You're like, your website's down. Like, what? You know, you just, right. we're always the last to know. But you would be surprised how many guests I have on there. Like, yeah, my website sucks. You know, it's, it's down right yeah. now or whatever. But, you know. But thank you for sharing all the details with everybody. And, you know, I'm going to tell folks right now, if you want to, uh, you know, learn from one of the best in the business, reach out to this man. I mean, he he will offer you good advice. He really will. So thank you so much, Rudy. We got to do this again, man. Keep us posted on everything that you got going on. You're welcome on this program anytime. Um, We've got to do a part two in the future. That sounds great, man. I'll keep you abreast on that uh, Dave Douglas record, too. Yeah, please do, man. I, I, I certainly want to share it with everybody when that's out. So so keep us posted, cool. but um, I'll be in touch. Okay, man? Sounds great, brother. All right. Thanks, Rudy. Okay, man. All right, guys and girls, that's going to wrap up episode 113 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. As always, a sincere thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in and listening to our podcast each and every week. We simply cannot do it without you. Uh, We sincerely appreciate it. As always, I'm going to ask you to hit whatever uh, platforms subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. We have a lot of great stuff coming up over the next few weeks. Next week, I am going to be joined by Patrick Ferguson, uh, Patrick has been a, a a member of the band Five Eight out of Athens, Georgia, for many many years, um, and he jokingly says that he took a you know a seven year lost weekend from the band, um, but he also is the host and producer of the Crash and Ride podcast which if you haven't checked out Crash and Ride podcast, you should do so. Um, it is pretty deep, uh, but it is a fantastic service uh, that he offers to the music community. Uh, it offers experience, strength, and hope for a lot of folks. So check out Crash and Ride podcast. And Patrick's going to be my guest next week for what I think is a fantastic interview. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, the following week, I'm going to have Daphnis Prieto back on the show. Daphnis has a new record out that is phenomenal. And you guys already know Daphnis has been on this show a couple of times. He's one of my favorites, um, just a groundbreaking artist. So we're going to have him in two weeks' time. And in three weeks' time, I'm going to be joined by the great Joe McCarthy talking about his new educational program and a special offer for all of you Drum Shuffle podcast listeners. So uh, got some great stuff coming up. So hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything. Uh, Of course, as always, we answer every single email that we get here at the Drum Shuffle podcast. That email address is thedrumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. And you can find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. 
Again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I sincerely appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another great episode with Patrick Ferguson. You guys all send good vibes that I catch some big fish and don't fall out of the boat and drown. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.